the subject for the evening talk is <coughs> love and liberation. I live in uh, the town of uh, Totnes, which is in Devon, in the west of England. And <coughs> my uh, mornings are spent working at the desk, and in the, the afternoons I um, keep the afternoon period aside for a meeting with people on what I call the interview, meeting on the one-to-one -one basis. And during the month of December, someone came to see me who I have known for quite a number of years. And basically, he came to tell me that he was liberated. And he said to me that he had been engaged in meditation, in spiritual work and practice over a number of um, years. He had participated in various um, retreats and workshops and intensive meditation and so forth. And he said that recently that he had an experience which had happened to him. And he had, the way he described it, he had gone beyond um, mind and body, and, and in going beyond mind and body, he said he could see this, or experience no liberation. And this freedom, this liberation, this enlightenment, simply hadn't left him. And it was present all the time, all the while. And we were talking, and in the course of meeting and talking um, together, <coughs> he said, and he, he, point, he pointed out that um, with meditation and with form and structure and method and technique, it could all be just an effort, just a striving, a, a working for some goal, for some attainment. And that in just doing all, all of that, it really had nothing to do with liberation which came upon one, so, so to speak. And so he felt that he had now dismissed and dispensed with meditations, forms, structures, and, and so forth. <coughs> so I asked him, I said to him, <coughs> having had this experience, which had happened just some weeks, months, or whatever, previously, you know, how was he living his life? What, how, was the, how was his daily life now having this occur? And he smiled, and um, he said, well, he's spent uh, quite a lot of time with his uh, with friends, spiritual friends, a number of whom are mutual friends. And he smiled and said, well, watching videos 
into the early hours. And, and, uh, but, and feeling light and uh, free and, and liberated. <coughs> and he was serious and, um, uh, as well. <coughs> the following, I think it was just about the following day, or possibly maybe two days later, another person came to um, see me, and generally they speak in these meetings last for half an hour, or an hour or so. This person was a woman who had travelled some distance from in uh, England for, for, to, for the meeting. And she was very, she's very, a very, very dedicated person, a very dedicated human being, dedicated to service, dedicated to the welfare of other people, and and engage in um, a very difficult form of social work, and that is with regard to children and child abuse. <coughs> and she's given up, I know, a tremendous amount for this kind of, kind of work, and made a great deal of personal sacrifices in her life in order to sustain this, this concern and love for children. And she has participated in retreats and workshops, and she's worked very diligently on herself. It has a great deal of balance and uh, equanimity and self-knowledge and the love that goes with that. And she said, you know, Christopher, I've been serving others and working hard on myself whenever I have the, have the time. I, instead of taking holidays, I prefer to give the time to retreats and looking at, looking at myself. And she said, but I'm not, I'm not liberated. I'm not a, a liberated person. I, ha I haven't the experience of being a liberated person in that spiritual sense. I'm not an enlightened human being. And it struck me in reflecting on these uh, two conversations which I had with two two different people, both of whom I regard as, as friends and so forth, how in both cases two people are thinking about themselves in, in an opposite kind of way. One is a liberated um, hu human being for whom there is nothing more to do, nothing more to be gotten, nothing more to be gained, no need to put out any effort or striving and so forth. And for another human being, and this, who is thinking in this case about herself quite differently, and yet what is manifesting out in the world in a very direct and clear and purposeful way is a great deal of love and concern and conviction. And we notice this the way that we think about our ourselves and the the implications of that, and I would like just to explore and go into that <coughs> in, in both cases. <coughs> One of the thoughts which does arise at times, <coughs> and sometimes the thought arises um, because of hearsay or because one's drawn certain kinds of conclusions. And one, of the, one of the thoughts is that these days, in this time and age that we live in, that freedom and liberation in the fullest possible sense of what that means simply isn't 
available. It, 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 it isn't accessible. And that there may have been the time in the past, in particular places and situations where there were human beings who were truly liberated, there were human beings who could only be regarded as bodhisattvas and so forth. And, and I think it's rather unfortunate if we think in that way, <coughs> if we think that people are not discovering liberation, if we think that people who come on retreats, as an example, do not discover liberation, never. If we think that outside of retreats and in other situations and in, in the everyday actualities of life and situations, people do not discover liberation. Because I think if we, if we tend to think that way and draw that kind of conclusion in life, um, it doesn't say anything really about others. It possibly says more about our la lack of access to others. And that dynamic, that process, that the um, liberating awarenesses, that enlightenment, it still is taking place in this world. It takes place in different situations. It takes place here in this hall. It takes place in retreats and it takes place out, out of retreats. And in, in this, one says when we look at ourselves, well, and in a way, the way that I would consider and look at it, that in giving consideration to liberation and and all that is, which is the heart and the essence of the spiritual life, in some way or other, that liberation, that freedom, in some way or other, it seems to me, has to be embodied, so to speak. It has to be made manifest in ways through heart, mind and body. And one might say, and I uh, would never dispute it or uh, uh, disagree in any way, that there can be liberation, there can be an, in a real immediate liberation in which one sees through the fiction of self and holding and, and the whole structure of myth and the mythology around identification is really is dispelled. The, 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 as somebody said today, the dream is over. And, and yet, it may be such that Though the dream of self and the dream of the me may be over, that it may not necessarily, in that, shall we call it, embodied expression, may not necessarily carry itself, be felt <coughs> right in the world. And then there are other human beings, and I use the um, situation in December as an example, who... <coughs> cannot honestly say in their heart and mind, in their being, that the dream is over, yet nevertheless are making manifest, making visible a love in the world and are freely, and liberation and freedom of course are not separate, are freely and generously expressing this affection and love. But the way the person thinks about herself, or thinks about himself, is, I am not free. And another may think about himself or herself, ah, this liberation has come, or yeah. I am free, yet it's not, first not bringing any harm or any destructiveness in the world, but somehow 
it's not making itself felt in the world, this freedom. Freedom it is, not to be undermined, but... And it seems to me, with that contrast and with that paradox that goes with it, sometimes, both of oneself and of others, sometimes one wonders perhaps, and I reflect on this in myself as in the process of the teachings, whether or not I and, other, and uh, others, that I ask too much of people. And sometimes I notice in myself, this thought arises. This, the thought that one is, in a way, asking of people not only to be liberated and to be, liber and to be liberated tonight, today, but to be liberated in such a way that the outflow of this liberation is a sustained and dedicated um, service to life. And that the two go together. And one wonders sometimes whether, in fact, that, that, that asking, as one asks and, uh, of, of people, in, within the human organism, within the human spirit, is too much to ask. And so it's not, not surprisingly that in some teachings there is all, all, almost a message which takes place <laughs> which says, you know, forget the world. It's too big an undertaking. And just concentrate, just work for your own salvation. Work for your own liberation. And in a way that's the best possible thing that you can do because by doing that, you're not creating demands and pressures and, uh, uh, on this uh, world of participation and coexistence. <coughs> and it's necessary for us, of course, to, to stop and to look back and look at and look at the present and to ask ourself, you know, the, the question really, how significant is both love and liberation to me? How, how, just how significant are these two vitalizing themes of life? In heart of heart, And one of the things which we find ourselves doing, and I think it's got a little bit to do with the kind of process with regard to love and liberation, is that we find ourselves in a situation in our life which is experienced as being quite unsatisfactory, sometimes rather meaningless. And we're in that job, we're in that study, we're <coughs> in that social environment, and we choose, as many of you report, we choose to step, at least at a period of time, right out of it. And as someone rather aptly described today in, the, in the, um, one of the small discussion groups, person said, I am 28 years of age, I've left my uh, home country, and it feels like I'm in a midlife crisis. In other words, there's a, a shift has been made in that person's life, the willingness to step out 
of the situation that one is connected with into another to have an opportunity in one's life to look at what's happening in my life right now what's what's the 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 state of affairs of my life <coughs> at this point and in the making of that step one does of course think about the future and so whenever we are concerned about ourselves in the present and what we are and who we are and where we're going that relationship to the present invites future thinking about oneself and what I as a human being will do in the future at some point and generally, not always, but generally or frequently <coughs> it occurs and this person pointed this out as well that we, we spend a lot of time in our brain a lot of time thinking about thinking about what I could or should do and in this thinking about it's as though we want to find in the thought some kind of empowerment some kind of thread in which a particular thought will say to us this is the correct thought <laughs> and that will and that we can then hold on to this correct thought and then our life will go in the proper direction in a direction which seems to be satisfying ourself so the movement of the thinking about from present to future may be considering other interests planet people situations but a, a factor within it is basically to find a way of a sustained cessation which is self-satisfying to satisfy the sensation of self to keep that happy, keep that content and the self-sensation becomes the preoccupying thread I want to find something to do in life because if I do then I'll feel satisfied myself will feel good about myself and my life and we don't actually <coughs> perhaps stop fully enough and to say, am I ready? And meaning in this case, am I ready? Am I, what do I have, rather, what do I have to bring into life in order that one's life can be meaningful? And it's perhaps in this addressing of this question that the whole area of love comes in. The experience, the feeling, the quality, the sensitivity, the intimation of love. Because it seems to me that if one just enters one's life and then finds a thread to do, and becomes possibly very, very successful at it <coughs> and does nice things, whatever it might be but there's no real love 
in that, then it's a complete and utter waste of one's existence. Without love, it is it may appear meaningful, but I would say it's meaningless. And it seems to me that <coughs> to find love and to discover love it's a combination, and the combination is, I ha personally have a doubt whether a human being can find, as it were, a vast reservoir of undiminishing love within. I have a doubt, no matter what the religions say, whatever, I have a doubt whether that is possible, and in fact, whether that actually occurs. And one of the things which occurs for us in our lives, we believe, and I think pain comes very much out of this, we believe we should be more loving. We believe we should be more generous, more kind, more um, dedicated, more focused. And our heart of hearts may say, I, I, I really want to live life meaningfully. That means live in a truly loving way and keep that stream of love flowing. But we say, I, I, I can't ex find it in myself. I, I touch on it and then I don't experience it and sometimes it's present and sometimes it's, it's anything else but love. And sometimes we're asking much too much of ourselves as human beings with regard to regard to love and its expression. <coughs> so it seems to me that with love and, our, and, that, and that affection, that warmth, that care, that concern, that uh, activity, that we need to draw on a variety of resources. And when we get too much involved in the self-sensation, too much preoccupied around that, I wonder if there's the opportunity to really feel love. And so we might ask ourselves, we've just had a day, it's been a silent day, there's been some sitting, there's been some walking, there's been some listening, there's been some ex uh, intercommunications taking place, there's been some form, there's been some structure. All of that has been taking place in and through all of this. <coughs> where, where is and where has been the love? Has it actually come to heart, to mind, to thought, to speech, to awareness? That the presence of love. Has there, has there been that receptivity, that sensitivity to it, amidst and through all of this? Because what can happen, and this perhaps hinders us from uh, liberation, is that we can become so 
tied in to doing it right, to doing the methodology in a correct way, and all the kind of precision which can go with it, and the very support, the very benefit of the method, the form, the structure, the sitting, the, the living present, instead of actually facilitating heart to open and liberation to be close at hand, the very structure hinders it. Because of the way we're perceiving it in terms of doing it right. This is a, a, an issue and, a, and a, a problem because if we keep wanting to do it right, at times we may feel we're doing it perfectly right. And at other times we may feel, well, I'm not doing it right and I'm not getting anywhere with what I'm doing here. And, and in a way, that way of thinking, and as we're going somewhere, actually, we miss the whole point. Through that way of thinking, we miss everything. Liberation and love. So in our being here, it seems to me, in my uh, understanding, observation, that whatever the event which is occurring, no matter how small it is or how momentous it may appear, in itself it doesn't stop that warmth, that affection actually flowing through. And sometimes we, what we experience is that when we're in the world of chatter, a great deal in the world of thought and so forth, at those times we may experience <coughs> the greatest sense of distance from love, the distance from affection. We're really locked into thinking, the self-sensation, the idea, the fantasy, the imagination, and so on and so forth. And it may, <coughs> and then we look at that, we think, gosh, I'm so locked into my brain cells, I'm so much in my head, I'm so much somewhere else. And in that time, the distance may seem its greatest. And yet, the distance to heart is never more than a moment away. No matter how far we may appear to be away, a moment later, one small incident and there's affection is present, warmth is present, appreciation is present, love is present, gratitude is present, receptivity is present, affection is present. <coughs> One moment. So sometimes it's just useful within the ordinary and within the everyday to, to stop and to ask ourselves, well, where is the love here? Where is that? present here. Now sometimes with love and the importance of with, with love and it's both in many situations we are familiar with love in its most overt form. 
somebody comes to you and they express their appreciation to you or you do to them and uh, uh, happiness and you generate love and you send loving letters to friends and family and all the countless ways that the love is generated. Generally, this love which is generated needs for its vehicle a particular association. The association of friends, <coughs> the association of family, the association of particular interests, the association of a particular place, Budgaya, India, or whatever it might be. So that we, what we think of love, and it touches us, generally speaking, the love is coming through a particular. Sometimes it's love of practice. Sometimes it's the love of listening to teachings. Sometimes it's the love of silence or whatever. And this love touches us, touches thought, touches awareness countless times during the day. Count countless times. And what we sometimes notice with the stream of love that it gets too restricted and too tight. It's too focused on a particular. And that love is human love. Or everyday familiar human love. And spiritual love says, yes, we acknowledge the particular and like liberation, we go beyond the particular. We expand out beyond one's country, beyond one's family, beyond one's friends, beyond one's personal interests, or whatever. So if we're checking in with ourselves there, then we're checking in not just at the level of the thought level, but the level of how today is the love showing itself. <coughs> now sometimes it's necessary, <coughs> as some of us have found and experienced in life, or temporarily to forget all idea about what one is doing with one's life as though that's of immense cosmic importance because it isn't and to see rather than be concerned with what one is doing with one's life or where we are going with our life to change the focus and the attention is where are we right now where is the affection? Where is the love right now? Let, let's, let's, let's find, let's sense the love. Let's sense the love which is around us. Let's sense the love which is within us. Let's sense the, what touches that place inside and all the multiple gestures of life which do touch that. Let's, 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 let's make that our priority. Forget everything else. Let's, let's really give care to that. And so sometimes we have to go, as it were, 
through periods of our life where we don't really have a real form or a real structure, where there may be love in the relationship, there may be love of the particular, in the, a solitude, to being with another, to a particular practice or teachings or whatever. And we may find that first we must find and experience this love in life and allow that love first. Never mind about a vehicle or a form to put it in. Never mind about the self-sensation which is devoid of love. Let's first find love. Let, let's, let's prioritize it in life. Let's make that the center of the life stage. And it seems to me that, <coughs> that allowing for that and sensing that, that the love and the liberation, the love and the freedom, actually are not separate from each other. And I sometimes say that the child of freedom is, is that love, is love. So sometimes we notice in our day the countless gestures which take place within the context of a situation and we just take the context here of how people in the silence do express a kindness do, e do express all which is being talked about and what sometimes we forget is how precious an opportunity it is to be exposed to that psychological climate that feeling climate, to actually live in this kind of climate and, and soak up the love. Let me, g let me give you a couple of personal examples. <coughs> when um, I was in my, uh, um, how old am I now, 43, when I was in my mid-twenties, I took uh, ordination and I went to stay in a um, monastery in um, southern Thailand and the monks engaged in practice and I engaged in practice and they spoke Thai and I spoke English and so and I didn't learn Thai, they didn't learn English <laughs> and so what was seen what was needed and what was necessary for some other kind of receptivity to come in and being for the first couple of years I think it was the only uh, Westerner uh, there, this is 1970 that in the course of practice it's like one goes through and some of you know this you, you go through a f the form, the structure, the, the techniques and, and doing it and getting the sense about it and then shifts are taking place and the shifts may not seem so dramatic but the shifts into a kind of a way of awareness in which there's some of this affection and love take, taking place and it doesn't seem so much like a chore or a pressure or a, a demand just to come and sit and be still for 45 minutes or an hour with a group of people 
One's heart wishes to be in the situation. One's heart wishes to, to be outdoors and just walking silently and mindfully and respectfully on, on the earth. And, it, and it's like the effort and the striving. It just drops away. And one has known the world outside the gate and one has experienced that and one hasn't run away from it or escaped it. One knows that world and one is familiar with the world of that world and one has taken some time in one's life to experience a, wor a, a world in a somewhat different way. And one can't say it's because of the love of him or her or this uh, or that. It's, it's somehow, it's just... It's just there. It's like the unspoken support system. And this unspoken support system, one being, one's cells begin to, in this period of time, begin to soak up. And in that, it's rather formless. Understand, there's all the method and the technique, but that's not really so important. And that's, that formlessness of it is such that one doesn't know where one is going with one's life. One just has a sense at this point in one's life this is right. That's all that one has some sense about perhaps that, that, it, that it's right. And even if it, one isn't sure still the love is still there, one is still soaking it up, one doesn't even know it. And, and that's where with, <coughs> with love the, the, the it needs a certain kind of trust, a certain kind of allowance, a certain kind of spaciousness. And if we, if we can trust in, in that spaciousness and in all the giving that goes on, out of it will come a form. It will come a vehicle. will come some mode of expressing that love. So it's not an abstract, it's not a nice theory, it's not just being kind of blissful, but there's some clear and effective communication of it in life. And that self-sensation doesn't really matter so much because one's heart is just too big for a self-sensation. And so it seems to me, therefore, that though at times with love and affection and dedication and giving and generosity of spirit and all of that, as though at times the thought comes in, one would like to be doing more in a bigger way than what one is. But one, one, what one finds with love that it, it needs to be in harmony and in balance with wisdom and with and with understanding, so that, the, so that the giving of love in life, to life itself, and coming of obviously out of life, is that giving of love is quiet, it's sustained, it's dedicated, it's fearless, it, it, and it goes from one day to the next. Rather than what can happen, if it's not with the understanding, there can be a great deal of giving, in a very short period of time, and as many experience, and some of you do, that this giving in a short period of time, and then there's a kind of burnout, <coughs> feeling of disappointment, failure, inability, and one feels demoralized by the giving. 
So with giving and with um, sharing and with participating and with heart opening, also the support of the wisdom, so that it, it is sustained. And that sustaining, uh, that sustaining <coughs> of it implies that the love and the continuum of expression and the liberation are not separate from each other. And one of the things which I f feel with regard to this, there are some human beings who, I, as I pointed out earlier, may say, I am liberated, may think like that and speak as being liberated, and yet somehow the message of unquenchable love for life isn't manifesting out of that liberation. And there may be others who say, I am not liberated, and yet out of that human being comes a tremendous freedom showing itself in dedication and love for life. And, I, and it seems to me the way I tend to look at this is, in a way, I don't know if it matters so much about the way we think about ourselves. And that it's just the way we think about ourselves. It's just the way we think about ourselves. <laughs> and I'm not so sure whether that's really as major an issue because it is just the way we think about ourselves. And that may occur and recycle itself in different times and in different ways and can our freedom, <coughs> can our heart acknowledge that and be free and loving and dedicated? I am not so sure whether that thought about ourself really can stop anything. Can that thought stop that kindness, stop compassion? Can thought, can that kind of thought really have more power than affection and liberation. And if we just see the emptiness of such thought, then liberation and, and, and awareness and sensitivity is immediately present. So that's why I say in retreats and out of retreats that the liberation of humanity goes on. Human beings are being liberated. Enlightenment is taking place. A discovery of love without end is occurring. And all of that makes this world extraordinary expansive
limitless, limitless. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings live with love. May all beings live with the limitless. Let's have a couple of minutes quiet period together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.